that has been touched by the hand of God and you just want to thank God for that. Just do that right now real quick. And then, Father, there's always things that are on our mind that we want to bring to you. Uh, people that need your healing touch. I think of Lauren Kissinger, Kisslinger, heal him. Think of Pat Soderstrom, heal her. Think of Amanda Jacobson, heal her. And there's many of us here who probably need your healing touch, so we pray for you, you just, you the healer, the God who heals, to heal them in Jesus' name. And again, I want us to take 15 seconds and think of somebody you know that needs your healing, needs God's healing touch, and just bring them to the altar right now. And now, Father, I, I pray for this, this virus that you would cause it to die. That you would um, protect people. And those who have the virus right now who may be in the hospital, that you would heal them, Father, in Jesus' name. We pray, pray for the tension in our country, the anger, the bitterness, the rage, the division. None of that is from you. It is all from the evil one. And so we pray against that in Jesus' name. We stand together here this morning in this building and via live stream we come against the work of the evil one to destroy. And we claim Jesus who came to give life and to give it abundantly for all. We know, Father, that over the course of the next couple months in our country as we come up to these elections, um, tensions are going to increase and we know the evil one's going to just put more pressure on it. So we pray against that in Jesus' name. And I pray, Father, that in the midst of this tension, the church would rise up with love and grace and mercy. You tell us in your word, Father, that... Um, the unbeliever has been blinded. Their eyes have been blinded by the evil one so that they cannot see the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our battle's not against other people. Our battle is against the evil one. And so we're going to take the weapons of warfare that you've given us and we're going to stand up against the evil one in Jesus' name, not against people. And I pray, Father, in the midst of this, that you would begin to open the eyes of the unbeliever in Jesus' name so that they can see the light of the glory of Jesus Christ. And I pray that we, 
as a church would let your light shine through us. That we won't get confused by unnecessary debate. Remember our calling to love. Holy Spirit, come. And for our church, I pray, Father, that you would um, continue to show us what you're doing in this community and how you want us to partner with you. We pray for this offering. I pray for that you continue to guide the staff and the leadership that we would steward this really well. And I pray your blessing on all those who give as they plant seeds of generosity that they would sow generosity. And now I pray for Pastor John as he comes up here and brings the word today. Anoint him with your Holy Spirit. And I pray the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians that it's not about John coming up here with fancy words or creative words, but it, I pray that he would come up here and there would be a demonstration of your spirit and your power so we and all who are listening would put our faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brad. You guys are probably wondering what I have on here. Just to make sure I don't talk too long, see? Yeah. No, there's some notes there too. That's my screensaver, which is pretty helpful. I'm gonna take this thing off because I don't want it to interfere with your ability to receive from the Lord uh, through me today. So thank you for that introduction, Brad. And, and um, I just wanna say, We've just come off uh, a few weeks ago a discussion about unity based on 1 Corinthians chapters 1 through 4. And it's interesting, you know, that Paul talked a great deal about this thing about some say they're of Apollos and some of Peter and some of Paul and some of Jesus Christ. And the, you know, Paul's answer rightly was it's not about any of us except Jesus. Let's keep our, our focus on Jesus. So, uh, at Crossroads, it's, it's not about Brad, it's not about John, it's not about Jason or Patty or anyone else who gets up on this pulpit. It's about Jesus. And uh, we don't need to be, you know, oh, uh, talking about, you know, who's, who's preaching is best. We all know, know Brad's best anyway, so it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't help to debate that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the, the subject of my talk this morning is really on winning and losing. In light of what we've learned in 1 Corinthians on unity, and Brad is going to start picking up on, uh, I think, chapter 5, like next week or so, uh, we, we really need to look at this subject of winning and losing. What does that mean for us as believers, and what does it look like? How many of us want to be winners? Okay. All right. Well, you know, it's natural to want to win. It really is. And... The, the, the thing that we're going to unpack a little bit today is what does winning look like, and could it look like losing? So I want to start with our text for the day. 
and then kind of go from there. The primary text will be out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and Sherry will be reading that on the handheld mic. Do you not... Do you not... Is it on? <laughs> there we go. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So, run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest, after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. All right, so we're all in a race, and Paul talks about the fact that only one will win. Well, does that mean that only one of us gets to win the prize at the end of this race? Let's take a look at what he's saying there. He runs as one who desires to win the prize. And what is the prize? The high calling of, of God in Christ Jesus. It's about the, the, the reward that's bestowed upon him for his faithfulness to the gifts and the message that God has given him. Interestingly enough, he's not talking about competition between believers or even between believers and the, church, and the, the world. You know, the sports analogy is a great one because we all understand sports and we got some pretty serious sports fans here that, you know, sometimes are probably watching the clock when the Vikings are playing to make sure they get out in time. But uh, do some of you have some real loyalties to a, a professional team like the Vikings? Yeah? Yeah, I know we have one or two uh, Packer fans in this place, too. Ooh, oh, uh, one female member of the staff who will remain anonymous at the moment uh, would be in that category. So, uh, yeah, there's this rivalry going on, right, in the sports world, and, and we pick our teams. And, and so, you know, I've seen, I've seen or heard of people that have been so devastated the, the, when the Vikings lost that it ruined their whole week. Uh, I hope none of you are like that. Because in the grand scheme of things, who wins in sports is pretty insignificant. Thank God for those Christian athletes who, when they score a touchdown or get a goal, give glory and honor to Jesus. But it's not about winning and losing. It's about running the race with faithfulness and endurance. Yes, we should do the very best we can, but the outcome is up to God, and the outcome is not as important as what, how we express life through the process. You know, we pray for healing, but sometimes God heals and sometimes he doesn't. And Maybe it's, it's a matter of us not understanding his ways, but maybe it's because we just trust in his sovereign plan. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember them, they were commanded to bow down uh, and worship the statue, and they, they refused. And so they were thrown in the fiery furnace. And their words were, O king, you know, yeah, we're not going to bow down. Our God is able to save us, but even if he what? If he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. You know, winning and losing is really uh, in the eye of the beholder. 
And from what lens are we focusing? There's plenty of examples in Scripture where God has caused his people to be victorious in battle or whatever. Usually in the Old Testament, it's about some type of battle or warfare against the enemy that's coming against them. Sometimes they won, sometimes even miraculously, and other times they got their butts kicked, <laughs> right? Uh, and usually when they got their butts kicked, when they lost, it was because they weren't following God's ways. They were following their own. And yet, they were the children of God. Often they misrepresented the fact because they are the covenant people that they can do no wrong and God was always on their side no matter what. That got them in a heap of trouble, folks, many times. That attitude. God does make a distinction. He does honor those who honor him in their living. Not just because they are a part of a covenant family or community, but because their lives and their words and their testimony reflect the reality of the life of 